Hello there and welcome to a brand new Arse Blog Arsecast right here on arseblog.com. The Arsecast today brought to you in association with predictthe6.com. That's predictthe6.com. I'll give you some more details of that a little bit later on. Also, we'll have a competition for you, something for you to try and win, to try and lift the mood, you know, because, well things are a bit down. We're all a bit down after what happened on Sunday because, you know, everything was going so great. It was going fantastically well. Preseason was great. You'd just beaten Chelsea. The first time we've beaten Chelsea since 2011. The first time Arsene Wenger has ever beaten a Jose Mourinho team. And you're thinking, yes, yes, that's good because it's come off the back of another preseason where uh, we conceded one goal, uh, scored lots. We, we won five games out of five. And you're thinking, yes, there's, there's momentum there's confidence. There's cohesion. All we heard about was cohesion. How much cohesion we have. There's cohesion here. There's cohesion there. There's, there's cohesion everywhere. We had a cohesion surplus. We had to store some of it in EU warehouses. There was a cohesion mountain. We had so much of it. But everybody was in a good mood. Everyone was thinking, yes, we are in good shape going into this season. Sure, the squad could, you know, it could, it could take a little tweak here, a little tweak there, get us another DM, get us another striker. But we're not going into it going, oh my God, we're so desperately short of players. How are we going to field a team? We didn't have a, major injury crisis. We weren't struggling for players and on top of all that there was there was perhaps a sense that after the FA Cup final in May we had learned to deal with pressure and expectation because uh, that day there was a trophy at stake and you remember the previous year's FA Cup final all the pressure the expectation was on Arsenal and we did it we did it but whew, we made it very very hard work indeed coming back from 2-0 down against Hull City but this time against Aston Villa and I remember before the game people were concerned. They were concerned that day about Benteke. They were concerned that perhaps Villa might just do something. They were concerned that the pressure and expectation that has so often inhibited this team would cause us to 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 not perform as well as we would like. But that wasn't the case. It was it was the opposite. We played brilliantly. Villa were terrible. Benteke, I don't even know if he played. Uh, and and all of a sudden you're thinking, yes, we've done something here. We've 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 overcome that hurdle of pressure and expectation. There is the hurdle. It's in the background. We've overcome it. Let's go back and kick it about a bit. Let's piss on it. Let's set it on fire. Fuck you, hurdle. Fuck you, pressure. Fuck you, expectation. We're going into a brand new season. We're taking all of that with us. A great preseason. There is pressure and expectation, of course, on the opening day because, well, that's normal. Every team has that. Every team's fans have expectation that this could be a year that's better than before. And even if you're playing a big team, you think, well, you know, it's the opening day of the season. Anything can happen, but but we were Arsenal fans thinking, look, we're it's all set up. It's all set up for the title challenge. Remember the title challenge? One game at a time. We're just going to take it one game. We're not thinking long term. Just one game at a time. Win this one. Then we concentrate on the next one. Then we win that one. Concentrate. And then, okay, it's done. The sun is shining. Uh, the pitch looks great. The players look good. The team is all right. You know, we, we lost Wilshire. We lost Rosicki. But, you know, we surely would have enough to cope without them. And uh, then, 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 you know, it went wrong. Like, ba- badly, badly wrong. Essentially, we defended like cunts. The goalkeeper made a couple of mistakes, exacerbated by the defensive country that went before him. And somehow, in attack, we managed to make James Tompkins and Winston Reid look like Maldini and Costa Curta. That's, that's, where, that's where we were. That's what we did. 
the desperation of, of, of everything summed up by the introduction of Alexis Sanchez with about 20 minutes to go. The guy was just back off his holidays, just back that week. After spending the summer playing in the Copa America, didn't get, didn't get much preseason fitness work under his belt, and we're throwing him on to desperately, desperately try and save a game. This was not in the script, unless the script was written by fucking Ray Winston or Trevor Brooking or somebody who's associated with West Ham, because that would have been the script that they would have written, because why not? You know, West Ham hadn't won at the Emirates since uh, 2007. Bobby Zamora scored a goal that day, and we lost. But every single game since then, I think I think we've beaten them in every single game. 2-0 in 2008. Oh, we had a nil-nil, but another 2-0, a 1-0 win, a 5-1 win, a 3-1 win, a 3-0 win last season. And on the day... I don't know if we choked, if we bottled it, if we shit the bed, or just played really badly. But there's a pattern, isn't there, to the to the playing badly? Like we can go through these fantastic spells of of good form and good results, and then against a team that you should beat, we we somehow contrive to lose. Think of the Swansea game towards the end of last season. We'd come off a, a fantastic run. There's no reason in particular why we should have lost that game, but we did. Lost it late on, circumstantially a little bit different from what happened on Sunday against West Ham, but we still lost it. And that's a game that you should be winning. You go in with that kind of momentum, and you know I know you can overstate the importance of preseason, and I've uh, said that before, but uh, the preparations, such as they were, you, you couldn't really argue with any of it. The players seemed in good in good spirits, confident. Maybe they just didn't take enough of the cohesion tablets before the game. That could have been it. Our laboratory ran out of cohesion pills because we didn't seem to have any on the pitch at all. It was pretty uh, pretty dismal stuff all round, uh, but with enough players on that pitch to be able to beat West Ham. You know, it's not one of those games that you look at and go, well, we badly need new players in order to uh, to beat the mighty West Ham. That's not the case. You look at those players and the disappointment uh, and the disenchantment comes from the fact that you know that those players were capable of an awful lot more and uh, and we didn't see it. So whether it was pressure or expectation or the first game of the season or just this inbuilt ability we have to play like complete cunts out of the blue, I, I don't know. But that in itself is a, is a problem, isn't it? That uh, if it's so structural, if it's built into everything, that you've got to... You got to try and find a solution, sort of like a car manufacturer saying, "Well, every hundred miles, one of your wheels is going to fall off." Just totally a random, and then it'll be fine. Just put the wheel back on, and it'll be fine. You can chug along, and you might go 120 miles, and then the other wheel's going to fall off. There's a design flaw. There's something wrong with this team, um, and and the way that it can snatch defeat from not from the jaws of victory, because I don't think we were anywhere near that, but. It all just felt very, very familiar, no? bit too familiar. Now, of course, it puts even more pressure and expectation on because I think a lot of the, the goodwill and the, um, uh, the confidence that people had in this group of players, I won't say it's suddenly evaporated or completely evaporated, but, you know, if you start off well, you beat West Ham, you, you know, you, you just sort of keep things going. And now you're thinking, well, we've got another London derby this weekend. If we don't get the right result there, you know, what's that going to be like? And what way are the players feeling when they're at home and they can't perform, and didn't perform? Can they figure out what it is? Can they figure out why they didn't do it? 
Was it the system? Was it the balance of the team? Was it just one of those days? Were they not physically up for it enough? I don't know. I don't have the answers. Trying to work it out is, uh, well, if, if I knew the answers, I would tell somebody to tell someone else who could tell other people who might be able to sort it out. That's what I do, but I don't know. I don't know. So, look, we'll preview that Crystal Palace game a little bit later on. We'll also have a competition for you where you can win some wall art. That's right, you can win a big Arsenal thing that you can put on your wall. I'll give you details of that a little bit later in the show. Uh, Just before we get on to this week's guest, just wanted to uh, touch on something I I wanted to mention at the start of the show, but sort of got carried away with talking about last week, and that is uh, the host. Um, We have changed things over to uh, a company called Acast. Uh, and you'll notice if you listen to the podcast on the web page that the player that we normally use, which is SoundCloud, uh, is no longer there. That's because Acast have their own player. But hopefully, because there's a, a great community of people who use SoundCloud and listen to the Arscast through that, we'll still be able to provide uh, the Arscast every week on our SoundCloud page, which is soundcloud.com forward slash arsblog. Uh, we're just working out a few technical details there. Other than that, you shouldn't notice any difference. You can still download the show if you're subscribed to uh, iTunes or subscribed in your your favorite podcast player, nothing should change. You'll get the Arscast as normal um, every week and the Arscast Extra too. And as I said, there'll be uh, maybe a little ad at the start and one in the middle somewhere, and that will be just about that. So that's the change that I was talking about, uh, and I hope everybody appreciates why uh, why we've gone ahead and done that. But if you do have any problems or any issues, please get in touch. You can get me on Twitter, of course, at Arsblog, or you can send Send us an email through the website. Just go to uh, arsblog.com and fill out the contact form there if you want to get in touch by email. And we'll do our best to make sure that uh, all of this is as seamless and painless as possible. So let's get on with this week's guest. Somebody we haven't spoken to on the Arscast for quite a while. For uh, Well, the main reason is, of course, that he's not here anymore. And I don't mean in the, in the existence sense. Of course, he still exists. But he moved from the UK to the US. And the time difference, now eight hours between here in Dublin and him over there in the United States meant that recording was a little bit difficult, but we've managed to work it out. So for the first time in quite a while, let's welcome Tim Clark from Arse to Mouse. Hello there. Hi, Andrew. Pleasure to be back. And uh, happy birthday. Thanks very much. Thanks very much. What, what have the Arsenal got me for my birthday? Anything? Uh, just a great big box of disappointment and unhappiness. Good. Good. You can unwrap That's what I asked for, so uh, yeah, <laughs> delighted with that. Unwrap that at your leisure. Um, let me let me ask you something before going into this uh, first game of the season against West Ham. How were you feeling about our, our prospects for the for the new campaign? Well, th- this will surprise you, but pretty good. I figure I'm only I've only been invited back because when a result like this happens, you need like the doomiest person you can find. So I was first on the uh, the old roller decks. But uh, I felt I felt all right going into the season. We'd we'd had a a pretty a pretty stable um, summer. Looked good in the in the friendlies and in the charity shield. Although I guess we looked good in the charity shield last year as well. Mm. Um, so I think like everyone, the result against West Ham kind of completed me off guard caught me completely off guard I mean it seemed to catch the whole game seemed to catch the players off guard yeah um, and I, 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 I think I probably like most people now just feel like super deflated and now don't know what to expect from the season at all I'd kind, I kind of allowed myself over the summer I think like a lot of people to as, as each week goes by and kind of nothing bad happens I know we didn't really we haven't been kind of like you know making big moves in the market but is it we didn't sell anyone and no one kind of no one's head fell off unexpectedly yeah. you kind of 
because you spend the summer talking to other fans and that you kind of build yourself up into going the classic Liverpool thing of like maybe this is our year but based on based on what I'm not really sure because we've only added a keeper to a squad that was pretty far off the pace really like I know we were good in the second half but points wise we were pretty far off yeah but, um, I mean yeah. is that the thing now that the, the I mean from my point of view I, I, I was very like you in the sense that you know, I was hoping we'd carry the preseason form and also the form in the second half of last season into this new season. And, you know, if we'd done that, then you... Not that it's a statement of intent, but you win your first game and there you are, you've, you've kind of set a marker. And now, I, I think we had lots of reasons to be confident and, and probably still do have lots of reasons to be confident. But now I've, I feel, like you said, deflated and I don't quite know what to expect now. Like, I don't know no. what is going to happen on Sunday. We, we, you looked at the early fixtures previously and you went, well, West Ham at home, we've done, we've done really well against them in the last few seasons, actually. They're, they're certainly not like a bogey team. Then Palace away, like again, you feel like we've just got too many good players uh, who are in decent shape, no, no World Cup fatigue or anything like that. Mm. So you kind of like, I, I mean, it's the, it's the height of hubris, but you, you're pretty much racking up six points, weren't you, from the first <laughs> two games? Mentally already going, well, you know, we'll start, we'll start really well. Um, and we'll have exactly the momentum we didn't have last time. But yeah, Palace is a tricky one to call now because they look good on opening day, right? They they did, yeah. Um, they did. And it was difficult there last season too. Yeah, yeah. It's always been quite grindy down there. Mm. Um and you've got to wonder, are we are we in the sort of shape where we can where we can grind? You know what I mean? The the thing is what I don't understand, and maybe maybe you've got a view on this, is like okay. when when we go into a game like West Ham, you we've got players like Kazola and Ramsey Mesa Ozil you just feel like we've just got too many really really good creative players that even if one or two of them aren't sparking one of them's going to create quite a bit and it's, it's almost impossible to see us not scoring mm. but I think Tim I think Tim Stillman said a thing about um, we've never looked less likely to mount a comeback in one of those because we've lost plenty of games against lesser teams at, at home right we've all, we've all been there and seen yeah. that but usually we have the kind of siege late on and it, that never really felt like it came against West Ham. Yeah. It, was, it was really strange. My, my, so, so why do you think we sometimes dry up like that? I think what I would put maybe Sunday down to is a sameness with all those midfield players in the sense that they're you know technically excellent. Um, you know They're all uh, capable of scoring. They're all capable of creating. But what they don't have in a game where you find yourself 2-0 down because of the mistakes that you've made, you don't have somebody who can drive the team in the same way that somebody like I think Jack Wilshire could have. You know, people have doubts about Jack Wilshire, and, and I understand that from a, from a fitness point of view. But I think when you're 2-0 down against West Ham and you've still got half an hour of the game to go and you're, you're struggling to create a little bit, um, you know, I think I think you miss I think you miss Wilshire because he's able to get between the lines. He's able to drive at players, uh, as Arsene Wenger says. You know, he pro- he provokes people, um, and I think that was a, a bit of a miss, to be honest. Well, th- this will sound mental, but I was thinking about this because we had plenty of time to think about that game. I I almost felt like we missed Riziki, and I know he barely well, played. Well, yeah, he's the like same kind of player. Sort, yeah, yeah, exactly. He's he's because he's he's got the same kind of traits as Wilshire. He can turn quickly and and like drive vertically as I think mm. the, the cool kids say but um, he reads the game I think probably a lot better and he's a lot kind of a, a calmer head and knows where to be so it's uh, I mean, maybe he wouldn't have seen any play anyway and 
he's out for a couple of months now anyway. Yeah, but I, I, I think is, that but... kind of that kind of player who can who offers something different than the players that we have. You know, I think Oxley Chamberlain, for example, is is capable of it, but was sort of he sort of faded a little bit from the game. And I think when a, when a, a team like West Ham just sits really deep, you've got to have that that guy who'll just take a player on. And people criticise Wilshire for hanging on to the ball too long, but you know, quite often that's what allows you to get in behind or to, to create the kind of space, you know. Yeah, not to rag on Debussy, who I think, like you said on Monday, hasn't played much football, so 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 tough to judge him. But Bellerin felt like a real miss because mm. he's the one who can kind of create that overlap. And you you want players in the team who are threats, don't you, and who ask yeah. questions of the opponents. And I think Bellerin does that, and has also like not been found wanting defensively against a pretty good side. So yeah, that that was a real miss. Um, if you look at the tail end of last season and now the start of this season, uh, Arsenal have only got one win in their last five home games. So I think there was a draw against Chelsea, we lost to Swansea, we drew against Sunderland, and then we won that game against West Brom when West Brom had decided that they were already going on holidays and here you go, Theo, have a cup final place. Um, that, that was the only game we've won out of the last five. Is, should, should we be worried about that, that that kind of home form could become a thing? I don't feel like... I don't feel like that run is long enough to really read too much into, and I'm a great one for reading a lot into not much mm. but uh, I, I think because because the FA Cup was looming that had a big uh, it sounds like I'm making excuses which I don't normally like doing but I, I think the FA Cup being there was a big factor and like no, none of the players wanted to get injured There was we kind of knew we were safely ensconced in fourth or third um, so I don't know like the, the, the bigger thing is like just do we have enough creativity not creativity because we've got creative players. I said that earlier, but do we have enough goals in this side? Mm. I think is uh, the question. My um, my gloomy compatriot uh, on our podcast, our irregular podcast, makes the point that I think like sort of five times out of six, that's not the exact number, but like the league is won by the team which scores most goals. Yeah, and I just wonder. I know Arsenal's talking a lot about well, we need to spread the goals around, and that's fair enough, but. I just wonder whether we've got enough goals in us. Mm. He is. I mean, he's certainly talking about wanting more goals. So whether his solution, you know, is is partially uh, found inside with more goals from players like Walcott and Oxley Chamberlain this season, uh, and maybe a bit of outside. But you know, it's hard to look at the performance against West Ham and think that you know, even if we'd had Karim Benzema up front, it would have been hugely different. Yes, it's so hard to say, isn't it? Because butterfly effect. If you change one tiny thing, maybe the whole the whole game pans out differently. I, mean, mm. I don't know what to make of the Benzema thing. Like I've never, I've never really believed he wanted to play for Arsenal, and people have because I think he's had probably ample opportunity to come at different stages if if he you know desired that move. But it's always seemed like he he pretty much enjoys playing in Madrid. So it's, it's kind of hard to see that that happening. Yeah, but I, um, yeah. it would have been hard to see Mesut Ozil happening, but. I guess I think something something should happen. Like I, I, I'd be, I would be frustrated. I had to say if we go through what is there another two, three weeks of the window, and the only way we can find to upgrade the squad is is the goalkeeper. Mm. Yeah, I mean, um, people are looking for. Uh, there's two things that people are looking for. I guess is more goals and cover at uh, defensive midfield with, with Coquelin. Um so yeah. whether whether that comes in or not, I mean, if you were given a choice between a striker and another defensive midfielder, what would you take? Probably at any point, if you'd have asked me over the last four years, I'd have said the defensive mid. But maybe maybe I've been won over by the striker thing. But they're they're so, I mean, they're like unicorn balls, aren't they? They're just so rare to to 
to, to find one of the quality who genuinely improves. Benzema looks like he would be an improvement, but whether he'd be the night and day improvement over uh, mm. Shirud, it's um. So who, who's the DM then that that's out there that can do that? Well, I don't think <laughs> personally. I don't think Schneiderlin would have been a bad shout. I don't think the price was insane. Sure, and but he's even if even if. He's Manchester United, and even if, even if it come down to him and Cochrane fighting out, I'd have been fine with that. Yeah. Like, the truth is, I don't know, I don't know enough about what about world football. Probably to yeah. pick one because yeah. whoever I say will be will be eviscerated on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so, but what I would say is, like, my position on this has always been I trust I trust Arsenal to buy the right people completely. Like he, I think he's clearly a much better talent spotter than me or just about anyone else. Yeah. What what I don't trust him to do is to do it. Like because he just. You know, there was the, there was the famous summer, wasn't there, where uh, he said uh, after flogging song that Diaby Diaby deserves the shot. Yeah, and that was that was mental. That was really mental. And I, I think the thing with Cock is it, it's really hard to judge. I, I, I was chatting to someone online yesterday um, who was saying it's so black and white with Cockerland. Like he has a good game, and he's like he's he's better than any other DM in in the league, right? According to some people. And then he, he sprays a few passes out of play and he's like a complete clogger who, who shouldn't be in the Arsenal side and we're making do. What I find kind of weird about the discussion with it is, or what I find weird about the position we're in is, because you kind of look at the squad now and you feel like basically Cochrane has to play every significant game, because Arteta is... It was interesting what you were saying about maybe Arteta would have been a better fit actually against West Ham because he passes better. Mm. But it feels like against in all the big games, Cochrane is probably going to play. And then you're effectively sort of building your midfield around... Probably the least, I wouldn't say least talented, but the guy he would say is the, is the least kind of, you're absolutely certain that he's bona fide quality. Like the jury's still out a little bit. Yeah. So, so you'd, you'd love it to be, you know, the dream would be you stick in a guy like Javier Martinez, who I'm not for a second saying we could go and get. But if you're going to have a guy who plays it all the time, you kind of want him to be that good. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it was his first, you know, since the time he came back from Charlton and, you know, the first couple of games he was on the bench and then he, he made his breakthrough and, and played really, really well. I think, you know, that's, that's pretty much his first Duff performance for us. And, you know, it was inevitable. And I think it's come, at a, it's come in a game when pretty much the rest of the team performed badly as well. So it's hard to look at it in uh, just as an individual failing, you know. As as a collective, they were bad too against uh, against West Ham. So, you know, when you go away to Crystal Palace on Sunday, I don't think that's a game where you can play Arteta. You're looking for Cockerland to do what Cockerland does well and has done well. But you know, like you say, we we sort of deal too much in absolutes, and you know, one one bad game, and all of a sudden, every single doubt is magnified to to the nth degree. I think if he has three or four games like that in a row, then you start to worry. Do you think he's likely to restore Kazola to playing alongside Cockland? Because that seemed to work like surprisingly well, but so well in yeah. that run in the second half of the season. And and again, maybe Palace is the wrong opponent for that. But I don't know. Like I feel like. Having Santi there is the only way you get him and Urza working together kind of correctly. Mm. It's a good question because uh, Alexis is going to come back in, right? Because he's ready to play, according to Arsene Wenger. Yeah, that's what he said. He said in his team update today that Alexis is ready to play. So he's going to come back in on the left-hand side. Um, Whether or not that means a change up front, you know, do you need Giroud to play against Palace who might be good from set pieces do you need him to to give you that bit of a, an extra bit of strength as well in the side rather than rather than walk up but somebody's got to drop out of that midfield you know so do you push Ramsey right or drop Ramsey 
push Coquelin back or Cazorla back with Coquelin uh, and play Ramsey on the right-hand side? Or, you know, it's a difficult one. You know, I think, I think one of the problems we had last year was trying to find a balance in the early part of the season. And I think this is, a, this is a, the same kind of issue that he's having. It's that, it's that weird thing, isn't it? If you look at the squad and you go, well, we have got a ton of midfielders, but the, there's an argument for saying there's not like a single combination of them that you go, well, that's definitely the, the first mm. choice. Yeah. And I think with a game where you want to try and gut it out like Palace, I maybe would go Alexis left, Ramsey right, and then just just revert back to what worked for us with Coquelin and Cazorla at the base and, and Messet roaming around. Mm. Uh, in front of them, you're not. You, you, I'm sensing you're not backing the uh, Theo centre forward campaign. Uh, it's not that I'm not backing it. I'm just not convinced yet. You know, I don't think we've seen enough yeah. of it, and I'm not sure that that the Palace away is the place for it. Which is probably why Arsene Wenger will play him there on Sunday and make me look like an Egypt. But I'm just not. I'm just not sure. Um, but look, I, I suppose we'll only find out in time. I just, you know, what I can't quite figure out is how a player who he basically ignored for three or four months last season and left on the bench, you didn't even put him on as a substitute, you'd see Welbeck coming on against him. I'm not quite sure how a hat-trick against West Brom, which Wenger always knew he's kind of capable of those games against those kind of uh, opponents, and a goal in the cup final, a very good goal. I'm not quite sure how that has changed his mindset so completely that he now views Walcott as as a, a, a genuine centre-forward option, first-choice option, and maybe the fact that he didn't start on on Sunday against West Ham tells us that he doesn't quite see him that way. My, my kind of reading of it is is I don't really think he does see him as a centre-forward option, and the, the, the West Brom thing was kind of an experiment which, which happened to work out well. But the, the bench thing, I think, as much as anything, was we had a form that was... We, we had a team that was in form that he didn't want to disrupt. And also, I think that... Arsene has used that benching thing as a tactic in negotiations before and I think that's what he was doing at the time he was kind of like Walcott's agent is clearly a pretty canny operator and he, it was this little fuck you back to him and I think that's how that played out uh, personally I'm glad he stayed like I think especially if we're going to stick with Giroud like the two of them when Theo was fit which is kind of a, a when in capital letters he, they, they did link really well with Theo playing from the right and there was those kind of cutbacks where Giroud would kind of then um skim the ball in I, th- I think that's a, a partnership that can, can still be a thing so it doesn't have to be one, one or the other, other. Mm. But, what? but yeah, yeah. I, I don't think the benching was just total lack of faith and I, the, the thing as well I think is like there was plenty of people willing to see Walcott leave to go to somewhere like Liverpool and I think he's the kind of player who would have rendered our defence that sort of pace he's got mm. and he, he has scored goals and he has got assists and he is quick and those things are at an absolute premium and the, where I sympathise with Arsenal is the market this summer is like mm. insane like the the fees that are going for some some players are are mind boggling. Yeah, but I mean that side of it, you, we've sorry, got to go deal. On. Sorry, we've got to deal with that though. I mean, if the if yeah, you know, it's not like we're the only ones raking in the uh, the television money. You know, the the reason that fees are going insane is because the clubs have so much more money. They've got these massive TV deals that have come on. Uh, we're not we're not alone in benefiting from those. So if other clubs are spending that money, then in order for us to get the players that we want to get. You know, we have to accept the realities of the market. You know, we're not in a position anymore where we can say, well, you know, we, we can't afford that. The, the fact is a, a fairly average player now costs you £20 million. Well, dude, you know me, I'd, I'd, I'd blow the lot pretty happily. And I think <laughs> you're, you're right about the TV money because you see players like uh, Shakiri. Is he going to Stoke? Yeah, he's going to Stoke. And didn't Afalai go somewhere that was kind of a Stoke. bit middling? And- 
The Stoker's the sorry, Stoker, Stoker the real threat then. Yeah, Stoker. The real danger. <laughs> but but that kind of player being hoovered up by like what were once mid table um I don't I nearly said filler clubs, but that's really disrespectful. No, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I think Stefan Effenberg yeah. was on was on TV talking about that. Uh, you know, uh, I think uh, Shakiri had the chance to go to Schalke or Stoke. And he was going, well, why, why would you go to Stoke? Okay, you can earn £2 million more or £3 million more at Stoke, but it's about football, you know, answering his own question, of course. That the Premier League now... Do, do you think that, that it might, um, in some ways, make the league more competitive, that there's more chance of bigger teams dropping points to the, to the teams that they would have been expected to beat because these teams are now capable of buying players from, from clubs that they never did before. Crystal Palace, for example, going out and buying a player from PSG. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a player who I, I, I covered pretty openly and thought would have been a, a good fit in our midfield. Um, yeah, def- I mean, you can definitely see more points being dropped given that Chelsea haven't done anything like nuts in the market. City are probably better than they were. United are probably better than they, that they were. That's the worry. I think, I think one of the big reasons for feeling so deflated is that you, you look at last season and what Chelsea did, and they only lost three games. And like we've already lost one to mm. West Ham at home. And that just feels so kind of like you're playing catch-up from day one. And what I, what I, Arsenal fans over the last kind of maybe five years have... have always been looking for the fragility to be gone they've always been looking for this kind of sunlit upland where we were no longer just a bit fragile and there's been a few full storms where we felt like well this is it actually the defense looks okay and the midfield's a bit kind of more knitted and we're less kind of we shit the bed less Mm. and you know then last last season you know the start of it was the worst in 30 years and then you spend the rest of the season recovering from it and I think people are so desperate to go into a campaign where you just go we're involved you know we're at the races and I mean, it sounds like lunatic to say, but it kind of makes Palace like almost like a must-win. Like, mm. do you know what I mean? Oh, that it sounds is. Like, yeah, that sounds it's... stupid to say after one game, but it feels that way to me. Yeah, to restore a bit of confidence and a bit of belief, because anything less will just sort of exacerbate these feelings of, well, what the what the fuck, you know? Because that was yeah. when we, when myself and James did the Arscast Extra on on Monday and the questions that, that we get for the second part like loads were just like what the what the fuck happened like what happened there yeah. and it was just nobody could really make any sense of it given everything that had come before so I think you're right I think I think Palace on Sunday is a huge game so early in the season and a, and a difficult one too it's going to be tough out there see I remember listening to you guys talk last last season uh, and it was it was a roundabout I remember thinking like the exact time where I went I, do you know what? I'm, I'm going to openly say we can't win the league because when we drew at Hull, and I, I went back to look at the, when that was in the season, and it was like I think early to mid October. Mm. Now I'm not saying for a second that's where we are now. Of course we're not. It's one game, but like it's it's amazing how quickly you can be out of it in this league. Yeah, you um, can't win it in 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 September, but you can lose it. Yeah, and I, the, I think the other thing is like probably the reason I'm not like. A, flipping out about the transfer stuff or anything is because we've because we have those back-to-back cup wins all that's left for us now really is to mount a league challenge that's i think that's what everyone craves 
like we always wanted it, but like now it feels like that has to be the step that's taken. And you, you heard it in the players after the FA Cup fund. They're all talking about, well, we believe we can do it. And, you know, this, this really feels like the group we're ready. We kind of, this is nice to win the cup, but it's not really what we're after. That was almost kind of the mood that was coming out. Mm. And then here we are like week one and we're back to poor old big pair having <laughs> to be wheeled out and do the Johan Juru interview of like, well, we, we must bounce back very quickly. And yeah, I yeah, yeah. The voice. I know, I know. Well, look, we will forgive you that. We'll forgive you that. Just very finally, um, Petr Cech, uh is signed as the guy who, who's gonna who could win Arsenal the title, uh, depending on on who you were listening to. Um, mm. uh, Jens Lehmann has come out and backed him and said, "Look, you know, I still think he's the guy who could make the difference uh, for Arsenal." But that was almost certainly one of his worst games in, in the Premier League. It, how much do you think is down to? A sort of unfamiliarity between himself and, and the Arsenal players like he's, he's used to Chelsea's system he's used to their players um, you know he's coming into a new club a new back four maybe things don't quite operate the same way might it just take a, a few weeks for them to get used to, to playing with each other I think like most people I'm definitely willing to give him the benefit of the doubt like the first goal like the marking is so powerless on it mm. that, that he he comes and it looks terrible but anytime you come and don't make it it looks terrible so it's bad and then the second goal sometimes a shot they take the shot on really early he's a little bit unsighted again it sounds like I'm making excuses but I, I, I kind of think like I kind of think errors like that kind of together in one game make it feel like again like you're so quick to, to, to rush to judgement I'd, I'd want to see him almost till Christmas before before assessing him because like, mm. you, we, we haven't even seen much of him at Chelsea recently so it's hard to it's hard to really to know like the kind of player he is now like the hope is that he's definitely you know more consistent than than Wojciech was and a lot of people didn't have much love for Espino although I got taken to task for that by uh, Orbinio for saying I thought he was a bit spilly Whereas his numbers are actually pretty good, um, I don't know. Like I, I just always felt like Czech alone is ne- is not going to be enough, and I, I felt that pretty consistently. Yeah. Like you, you look at the second, you look at the back half of last year, last season, and goalkeeping was not our problem. Like maybe a spinner cost us. Like I, I vaguely remember one game where he should have like got to a shot that was high and he sort of didn't put his hand up, but mm. there was there wasn't much. No, else, I mean there really. weren't huge errors apart from Chesney on New Year's Day. You know, I don't think there were huge errors from our goalkeepers uh, throughout the season. So yeah, I think uh, I think looking for more from elsewhere is what will make the difference between a title challenge or not. So again, we come back to whether those goals can come from players that didn't contribute as much last season, or whether we got to go out and uh, get a get a Benzema if we can get him, which I don't think we will. I just don't think there's any do you, chance. Do you think we'll do anything? See, I'm an optimist, weirdly. That's why I always end up getting so disappointed, because I always think, well, we'll do something. And, and we have done something the last couple of summers. Mm. My gut feeling at this point is... Nope. nope. <laughs> that's my that's my gut feeling. Um, uh, like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just I'm just trying to, you know, base it on seasons past, and, and, and you know, you look at the squad, and... What sort of player do we need, and how difficult is it to get that player based on what we need? Like, if we want a striker that's better than Giroud, and I know people say, "Well, that's not difficult because Giroud," sh-, you know, which is clearly not the case. He's a very good forward, but you know, I, I agree he he can be upgraded on. But the problem is, there aren't too many of those out there. Um, so that that's why I don't think we will, unless something 
kind of crazy happens in the transfer market unless one move begets another and the, the wheels start turning and then all of a sudden there are players available towards the end of the window that, that aren't available now, um, which might become clear. But if you were to ask me, are we actively pushing to bring anybody in, my feeling is no. I feel like that's so... It's such a, like... Uh but I mean, that's I just like that's me. Such I don't. A that, that's a passive way to go about these no, things. No, no, but I, I'm not the gospel either. I'm not saying it's, it's your idea. Yeah. No, it's definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd rather, do you know what? I'd rather buy someone who just like didn't like worked out a bit, but wasn't amazing. Than and but but not have the. What what blows my mind is when you get to that bit of the season where like position X runs out of players and you go, well, no one could foresee this coming. And you're like, <laughs> you're like, I can look at the squad and I'll tell you what position X and Y are. And it's like forward, like Welbeck's permanently injured. Walcott, I think you rightly say, is not necessarily an out and out forward. I mean, Giroud broke his leg last year. Like these things, these things actually happen. And like yeah. the Okokalan, no one surely wants to go through the season going, well, let's send let's send Flamini or Arteta up to you know Eastlands and. See how they get on. Yeah. Well, apparently we're going to let Flamini go. go. Apparently. There are the stories today. Sources say that Flamini is free to leave. Of course, he'll probably stay because he wants to continue to be part of the great boy band Flamzil. Isn't isn't the the DM flavor of the week this this kid at uh, Seville? Seville. Apparently... But again, it was uh, from what I can't. I don't think I've ever seen him play football, so I'm not going to pretend to know. What he's he's a Polish international, and I can't pronounce his name either. But apparently, this story is just, well. The only place it emerged was the Telegraph, who, to my mind, have about as much credibility as caught offside at this point. So the Telegraph have lost their fucking minds. There's a mixture yeah. of like the stuff. Is it Jeremy Wilson? Jeremy Wilson, which is, yeah. Like for like normal journalism and fine. Mm. And then they're, and then they're literally vomiting up the metros. Jamie Sanderson scoops, which are like, I don't know, man. I could write them on a beer mat out here in San Francisco and be about as accurate. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's not, it's not a good track record, which is why I've got severe doubts about that being um, part of it too. But look, we'll see, we'll see. Um, still a few weeks ago before the end of the transfer window, and uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed for Sunday. Tim Clark from Ars to Mouse. Thanks very much indeed. Uh, cheers for having me. Good fun. You can find Tim on Twitter at Ars to Mouse at Ars to Mouse. And, of course, the Arse to Mouse podcast appears on a monthly basis. Uh, Scottish Dave, Tim, and, of course, Yankee Gunner, uh, who is now to be found on, well, any podcast you like, but has taken up with some regularity with those reprobates from Arsenal Vision. Yeah, should change his name from Yankee Gunner to Podhor. That's how I shall think of him from now on and forever. We've still got a competition to come, and we're going to be looking ahead to the game against Crystal Palace on Sunday. But right now, this. And if you want to get some free credits with the Predict the Six game, you can do that by using the discount codes that they've uh, given us. So if you put 30 quid into your account, you will get £10 worth of free credits. If you put 20 quid into your account, you get £5 worth of free credits. And even if you just put a tenner in, you still get £2 free by using the voucher code ARSBLOG. So do check that out. And there are some links on the website today. Right, we've got a competition now to win. It's kind of like this, um, it's a HD metal print. So this is kind of an outdoor thing so if you've got a patio or a back garden or or something that you want to arsenalize 
Uh, this is just the thing for you. It comes from our friends at Canvas Art Rocks. And uh, there's a Thierry Henry and Dennis Bergkamp HD metal print. There's a Thierry Henry one and a Tony Adams one in there as well. So you can have whichever one of those you like if you're the winner. And uh, in order to win it, you just answer this simple question. Uh, why do I always do this? Why do I always Start talking about the competition without thinking about a question. Okay, uh, it's a metal print. So which one of these things is not a metal? Steel, iron, or mud? Which one of those is not a metal? Send the answer, please, to competition at arsblog.com. So looking ahead now to Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. And everyone's really looking forward to it now, of course, after what happened last weekend. And, you know, I'm sort of, I don't know what way to think about it. Uh, part of me is like, oh, my God, it, you know, it was hard there last season. And we, we could be demoralized after the, the game against West Ham. And the other part of me is like, we've got good players and, and they're, they're good. They're in good form. And the West Ham thing could be a one-off. And then there's another part of me goes, I don't know, because anything anything could happen. And I thought we'd kind of gone a bit beyond that anything could happen, where we at least were slightly more sure of one thing happening than the other. But hey, hey, we are where we are. The team news is that Alexis is ready. As I was just saying to Tim there, Alexis is ready, according to Arsene Wenger. So that's good. Uh, Jack Wilshire's still out. Danny Welbeck out. Hector Bellerin is back in. And uh, I suspect he should play if he's uh, if he's fit again, I think we missed him. Uh, other than that, nothing much to tell you from the team news point of view. Thomas Rosicki, who had a knee operation on August the 4th, he's going to be out for maybe three months. His agent said one to two months. Arsene Wenger said it could be longer than that. It is going to be longer than that. And I guess you do have to wonder a little bit about the wisdom of giving him you know, an extra year on his deal that he couldn't have gone somewhere else that maybe we couldn't have got someone else in. But look, I think Arsene Wenger wanted to keep his experience around and probably wasn't anticipating a knee injury that required surgery and, and everything else when he gave him that deal. Or maybe he knew that's what it was. Maybe. And he was being really nice to him, giving him a deal even though he knew he was, you know, bollocksed. But I doubt it. I doubt it. So, look, Rosicki's going to be out. But, look, we're, we're going to have to go into this game um, and play an awful lot better than we did against West Ham. Palace were very good on the opening day of the season. I forget now who they played, but I think I watched it. Well, I watched it certainly on Match of the Day. Oh, they played Norwich. That's what it was. And from my uh, viewing on Match of the Day, Norwich were actually a bit unlucky because they had a goal disallowed for high foot, which was a generous decision. The kind of decision that you might get against you when you're away from home, but certainly not when you're at home. Um, I think they hit the post, and there were other things going on before before Palace wrapped it up. But Palace were good. They were quite good, and there had some set-piece action going on. There was some um, high jinks going on at one of their set-pieces. I don't think I've ever seen a team. They scored one goal where they took a corner and headed it in back across from the, the edge of the box, and the Norwich players were just standing there looking at it going, what the hell's going What's going on here? What? 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 Oh, fuck, goal. I've never seen such ball-watching uh, in the Premier League. Uh, so that might be something that we've got to be aware of. The team is difficult to know. Really difficult to know what he's going to do with regards to the midfield because if Alexis comes back in, you've got to lose one of Oxley Chamberlain, Ramsey, Urzel, or Cazorla. I don't know which one of those it might be, what midfield combination he thinks is going to be good, whether he'll use Coquelin in midfield. I think he's, you know, he's pretty much got to do that away from home um, and hope that that one duff performance doesn't repeat itself. Um, 
would he play Ramsey on the right-hand side? I don't know. I think that's going to be a big challenge. It is going to be a big challenge, just finding a midfield that works and clicks and who's going to play up front, Walcott or, or, or Giroud. I think it'll probably be Giroud, to be honest, just to give us that bit of physicality and strength away from home. Um, but we'll see. But the important part is that we, you know, don't defend like cunts again. That would be good. They could work on that on the training ground this week. That would be excellent. Steve Bold coming out with a, a thing, what do you call them, a clipboard? Page one. This week's training. Number one, don't defend like cunts. Number two, please see one. And if they do that all week, then we should be okay. Better check. We'll be looking for a better performance than the one against West Ham. And overall, we'll be looking for a, a better team performance than the one against West Ham. Because the next game that we have is against Liverpool at home. And that's, I think, a Monday night. So we go, you know, a good week um, without any football. So I think we want to get ourselves going. Don't fancy another week of, you know, radio silence because there's no point anybody saying anything because everything went wrong. So if you don't mind, Arsenal, uh, just sort your shit out and win the game against Palace on Sunday. Thanks. Good. All right. Well, look, we'll leave it there. James and I will be here on Monday uh, with an Arscast Extra. Fingers crossed we'll be discussing our first three points of the season. Uh, it'll be a cheerier podcast if that's the case. So uh, we'll keep everything crossed for that. In the meantime, have yourselves a great weekend. I'll chat to you on the next Arscast next Friday. So until then, cheers. Bye-bye. JT, come in office. Oh, hello, boss. John Terry. JT, here. Just to talk to you. The lads have sent me to talk on their behalf because we've got a problem with the lady doctor here at, at Chelsea because we're all feeling a bit inhibited. 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 It's weird with a lady doctor because we can't talk about all the lads banter on the training ground like shagging women and shagging other women and shagging women that are friends of those women and shagging them in their bits, you know, all over and their boobs. So we can't talk about any of that because she's a woman and we'd all like to shag her and... It's weird. So can you get a man doctor? Yes, I will engineer situation to get a man doctor. You sound a bit like Andrew or Shavin there for some reason, boss. Anyway, thanks very much. We'll uh, tell the lads that a man doctor's coming. But uh, just one thing. What is the one thing? Uh, we don't want the man doctor, you know, touching us or anything. Why not? Oh, come on, boss. That'd be gay. <laughs>